morning. We thank God for the privilege to gather here, even as we um, still worship the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm sure that we are all excited for what God has in store for us today. And quickly, if you just bow your heads with me, even as we pray. Eternal Rock of Ages in heaven, we just want to say thank you. We bless you for the privilege to gather here. Lord, O oh God in heaven, the Bible tells us that you will not cause the seed of Jacob to seek you in vain. Therefore, Lord, O oh God in heaven, we pray in the name of Jesus that your presence will be palpable. Your word will come forth with power, glory, and grace, and will be transformed in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good, and all the time, God is good. Praise God. Um, we're coming to the end of the series of the month when we are looking at um, manifesting the love of God. Hallelujah. Manifesting the love of God. And I pray that, that even as we go into the word of God this morning, our lives will be transformed and our destinies will take a new trajectory for good in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Okay, so, so for those of us who are writing, the title of my sermon this morning is Strength, an Instrument for Love. Hallelujah. Strength, an Instrument for Love. And our anchor text, two portions of scripture from the book of Mark, chapter 12, from verses 30 to 31. And we're looking at the book of 1 John, chapter 3, from verse 16 to 18. Mark, chapter 12, from verses 30 to 31. And 1 John, chapter 3, from verses 16 to 18. Praise God. And I read, it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. Is this. You shall love the Lord your God, or rather you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment than these. The second one is 1 John chapter 3. And we're reading from verses 16 to 18. And it says, by this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? And it says in the verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Hallelujah. Let us not love in word, but or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' mighty name. Everlasting Father God in heaven, even as I speak, O God in heaven, I consider myself only but a vessel. I ask that, Lord, you will speak through me, O God, and that your word will manifest the life that is inherent in your word, and it will transform the lives of the hearers, all to the glory and the honor of your name. Holy Spirit, our teacher, I ask that, Lord, you would use my lips as your vessel. Minister life, O God. And let your name be glorified in Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. Praise God. All throughout the month of February, 
we have been looking at a series titled Manifesting the Love of God. Hallelujah. Manifesting the Love of God. And here we see that um, our ability to manifest the love of God is the only way we can prove that God truly exists. Hallelujah. I'll say it again. That our ability to manifest the love of God in our daily lives, it could be when you're in the grocery store, it could be while you're at work, it could be relating to your neighbor down the street. The only way we can show the world that God exists is that we are able to display love to one another. Hallelujah. Okay? And so here we understand from the anchor text that Jesus, a lawyer came and asked Jesus that what is the greatest commandment? Hallelujah. A lawyer came and asked Jesus and said, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus declared and said that the greatest commandment is that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Praise God. And it says, this is the first commandment. Praise God. And God being so gracious to us, I've been looking at this subject. What does it mean to love God with all your heart? And we established that loving God with all our heart is loving God with the very essence of our life. Praise God. We looked at loving God with your mind last week's Sunday. And Dr. Austin did well in saying that, you know, loving God with your mind is what are the things that you are thinking in your mind? Because the Bible says that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Little wonder Apostle Paul now says that the only way we can love God with our mind is in Philippians 4 verse 8. And he says that whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is of virtue, if there be any good in this, let your mind mind dwell in these things because when God occupies our mind the only thing that would proceed from our lives are godly things praise God when God occupies our mind the only thing that can proceed from our lives is godly things praise God but you see when Christ was saying here that this is the first commandment one of the things that stuck with me was the fact that when God says this is a commandment then it no longer becomes optional it is not conditional but rather a must praise God you know, when somebody says, I am a disciple, that simply means that I have chosen to discipline my life in the pattern of whom I choose to follow. Praise God. And so Jesus now was saying, Jesus was saying here in John 14 verse 15, and he says, if you truly love me, if you love me, then you must keep my commandments john 14 15 john 14 15 and that's a question that jesus was asking peter and he said peter lovest me more than these praise god because oftentimes we claim that we love god perhaps it could be true but the question is to what extent can you go for god because when one of the beautiful things about love is this every love you claim to have or any love you profess at some point in time that love will be tested praise god for those of us who are married i believe you would validate what i'm trying to say for every time you profess love a time would come in the journey of life that you would have 
to back up that love or to prove that love. Praise God. In other words, it's in our obedience to the commandments of God that we are able to prove that we love God. Praise God. Because Jesus was saying that the only way, the only way, the only yardstick to measure the extent to which anyone can love God is by the obedience of the commandments of God. Hallelujah is by the obedience of the commandments of God. And so God is asking us this morning, do you love me? Praise God. Because the reality of it is love is not love until it's proven. Praise God. Love is not love until it's proven. And that is why Jesus was saying in Matthew 15 verse 8, Matthew 15 verse 8, he says that these people draw near to me with their heart, with their mouths, praise God, and honor me with their lips. But it says that what? That their heart is far from me. Praise God. They honor me with their mouths. They honor me with their lips. But it says what? Their heart is far from me. And that is why I came to the conclusion to say that what you cannot prove, you don't mean. Praise God. And what you don't mean is a lie. Hallelujah. What you cannot prove, you don't mean. And what you don't mean is nothing but a lie. Praise God. And so here we see a good example because the disciple or the scribe who came to ask Jesus, he asked Jesus, so what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gave him a template and he says, for you to inherit eternal life, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And Jesus says, then go and do all these things. And he says, and the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. And the man asked a question and said, who then is my neighbor? We'll read it quickly in Luke 10, 25 to 30, 37. He says here that Jesus replied, what is written in the law? And he replied, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And he says, and the second is, love your neighbor as yourself. And the, and the, the man asked the question and said, who then is my neighbor? And that is what we are coming today to discuss. Who then is my neighbor? And the lawyers and Jesus narrated the story of the good Samaritan. For many of us who know the story, there were three classes of people who came. The Bible says that a priest who is supposed to be a Christian passed by this man who was robbed who was attacked beaten and left to die and he passed by and did nothing somebody else passed by and did nothing but a samaritan passed by and did what christ expects you and i to do and jesus asked him which of these three do you think has obeyed the law and the one and the the man said the one who had mercy on him and jesus told him go and do likewise. In other words, when it comes to the subject of love, love is about the doing. 
Praise God. Love is about the doing. The Bible says that for God so loved the world that he did. He gave what? His only begotten son. And Jesus said that for God so loved the world. That for Because I love the world, I laid down my life. At every point in time, there must be an action to validate the love that we claim. And that is what we are looking at. How then do I love God with all my strength? Because Jesus was saying here that until you invest your strength in doing the things of God, you have not truly loved. Praise God. Until you are able to invest your strength in doing God's bidding, you have not truly loved. Hallelujah. And that is what we see when Jesus was speaking to the scribe. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And what we are looking today is how do we then love God with all our strength? And there's a funny thing that in the place of my study, I began to realize something. Here, Jesus gave four categories or four tools that we can use to love God. Four tools that we can use to love God. The very first tool Jesus said here was the heart. But if you look at the heart, nobody sees your heart except God. So how can they tell that you love God? They cannot tell because it's within your heart. It's inward. Number two, he said that the proof or the tool for us to love God is in our soul. In other words, with our emotions, that whenever things, whether right or wrong, we should still proclaim that we love God. But again, nobody can interpret our emotions except we begin to display or, or show that display of emotion in some shape or form. Again, it's inward. Again, we look at the mind, which is another tool for loving God. In our mind, nobody can tell our thoughts. I might be smiling, but I might be thinking thoughts contrary to my word, to, uh, to my facial expression. But here, he said, you must also love God with your strength. And the strength here now is looking at the outward. In other words, when you are loving inwards, nobody can tell. But how can they tell that you love? if you cannot show it what i'm trying to bring to us this morning is you must be willing again you must be willing to invest your strength in doing the things of god because our love for god is in the doing there must be a propelled action you know paul was saying that for the love of god has compelled us to do something love must be the force the driving force to do the things that we do and this instrument of love here we see that they are not mutually exclusive praise god in other words it's not either or no but it is the existence of these four things that enables us to meet the criteria of what it truly means to love god you know remember the very first sunday of this month i told you a question an event that happened and my wife was asking me so the, does it mean that i can love god with my heart and not with my soul does it mean that i can love god with my soul and not with my mind or, or can i love god with my strength and not all my heart the reality of it is if this four if these four elements are not in place in equal measure then we don't love god praise god okay 
Then we begin to go deeper now and then. What does it mean to love God with all my strength? And that is what I really want to emphasize this Sunday morning. What does it mean to love God with all our strengths? Now, when I began to study, the root word for strength in this passage here meant two things. Praise God. The very first thing here that the strength was referring to was that strength referred to our ability. Friends, strength was referring to a force, strength or might. Praise God. And the second was contrary. It said here that strength also connoted to have in possession external things such as pertain to property or riches or furnitures or utensils or goods or food. All these things formed part of what it means to strength. In other words, you know, I read an article that said that all these things means the veryness, the, the, the essence of who we are. Praise God, okay? So we begin to examine the very first thing then. The love pole. If we were to ask a question now, how many of us truly love God? I believe there will be a number of hands to validate that yes, we love God. Yes, I love God. But the reality of it is this. That many a times, if we were to prove our love, if we were to prove our love, then that would be where the problem would be. And that is why we are looking at the very first thing first. How do I love God with my ability? How do I love God with my strength? How do I love God with my might? Because it's in doing so that I'm able to showcase that I truly love God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so we begin to look at the part one of it. We begin to look at the part one. And I said here that in our walk with God, in our walk with God, we must of necessity invest our physical energy and might for the purposes of the kingdom. This could be in the place of church, church service, intercession, investing in praying for others, Praying that the realities of scriptures will be materialized in the lives of God's people. Also, it could be in the place of evangelism. What does that mean? Going about, going, looking for souls to, to advance the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But the reality of this is this. At this stage, the greatest enemy that we can ever confront is the element of convenience or comfort zone. You know, many a times, if I ask us the question, how many of us can truly say that loving God has cost me something? Praise God. How many of us can truly say that loving God has cost me something? Just like David says that I cannot give to God that which cost me nothing. You know, many a times we say, oh, I will do this when it's convenient. Perhaps it could be a prayer and the Holy Spirit is bringing somebody to your mind. Why don't you get on your knees and begin to intercede for this person? Oh, when I have the time. But you see, anything you do from convenience is not love. I say it again. Anything that you do from the place of convenience is never love. Because love is pain. And that is what I'm trying to make us understand that until it requires unusual energy, until it requires unusual strength or investment, it is not truly love because love must cost us something. Love came at a cost. 
and that cost was Jesus. Praise the Lord. And so here you realize that the very best time to serve God is in the time of use. Praise God. You know, Lamentation 3 verse 27. It says, it is good for a man to bear his yoke in the times of his youth. For many of us who are young, who are listening to me, what are you doing in loving God in this time of your youth? The reality of it, you see, the best time to serve God, no, not like, okay, sorry to use the word, the best time. One of the most ideal times to start serving God, yeah, that's the right thing to say. One of the best times to start serving God is when you are young. Praise God. You see, when I got married, when I got married, I realized that it is not, my life is no longer my own. What am I trying to say? There are times when I want to pray, but my children are crying. And so, I have to first of all attend to them before I go to address other things that I need to do. And so for that reason, it becomes a strain. But you see, the love of God compels us. The love of God compels us to do things that ordinarily is not convenient for us to do. And so my encouragement to those of us who are young, this is the best time to serve God. This is the best time to invest your life in the things of God, in the place of prayer, in the service of his kingdom, to ensure that the knowledge of God spreads like a fragrance all across the earth. Because that is the best time to serve God. Look at what Jesus said in John 9 verse 4. He says, I must walk the works of him who sent me while it is day. Because... Night is coming when no one can work. Praise God. He says night is coming when no one can work. What is that night? There will be times when your bones and your body can no longer do the things that it used to do. At what point in time do you want to say that you gave your energy to the things of the kingdom? Praise God. Because the reality of it is until we are able to invest our abilities and our strengths and our might in doing the things of God, we have not truly started in service or it truly shown that we love God. Hallelujah. Secondly, we look at the element, the second element of strength. Here it says is to have in hand possession. Praise God. And you see, for those of us who are business inclined, there is something called a SWOT analysis. Praise God. And in that SWOT analysis, the essence of it really is for you to assess your life or assess a business and to categorize things into four categories. The S being your strengths, the W being your weaknesses, O being your opportunities, and T being your threats. Now, the standard strategy is to focus on your strengths. Maximize your strengths. As it relates to weaknesses, your job is to minimize your weaknesses as much as possible. The O is to take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way. And T is to eliminate the threat. 
So when we begin to look at our lives as Christians, as a believer, what is your SWOT analysis? Because what are those things that are going for you that you can regard as your strength? For example, it could be your finances. For example, it could be your youthfulness. For example, it could be your skills, the things that you do with your hand. Because what are you doing to proclaim the gospel? Hallelujah. Again, what are your weaknesses? What are those things that will stand as a weakness? In for you to do the things of God, your job is to minimize it. Because if you truly love God and the things of his kingdom, this is what we must be doing. The O comes as an opportunity. What are we doing to proclaim the gospel at every chance we get? Because if we truly love God, we will tell people about God. If you truly love Jesus, every opportunity you get, you will proclaim his name. Because only the person you love, you talk about. Praise God. I remember before I got married, all my friends would tell me, I would never have a conversation with you without looking for a way to bring in your wife's name. Praise God. But again, to them, that was a proof that I loved my wife. And so if you truly love God, at every opportunity you get, you must speak about Jesus. You must speak about the things he's doing in your life. Because remember, just like the woman with the issue of blood, the only reason why her people believed was because of her testimony. Praise God. And for the threats, what are those things that are threatening your Christian life? Your responsibility as a proof that you love God is to minimize those response, is to minimize those threats. Because by so doing, you are able to champion the things that God will want you to do. My brothers and my sisters, this is the best time to serve God. This is the best time to show God that you love him. This is the best time to invest your time and your energy in doing the things of God. Could it be your money? Because many a times, you see, they say, put your money where your mouth is. If you truly believe in what you are saying, prove it by investing your money. Praise God. Because that is a proof of your love. Many a times, like I said, if a love poll was to be taken as to how much do you love God, I believe many of us will raise our hands and say, I love God. But if your neighbor was in need of the money in your bank, are you willing to give that money to your neighbor on account of the love of God? That is when you are truly validating whether you love God or not. Or perhaps there is a need in the kingdom of God and you're saying, how or what can I do to ensure that these needs are met? We live in a time of the pandemic and there are so many people who have suffered a disadvantage or the other. What are you doing as someone who loves God to ameliorate those people's circumstances? Like I said, it may not be your money, but it could be your time. What are you investing to encourage people? To draw people up from their place of solitude? To draw people to encourage them to come back up as they used to be because of the things that they are currently going through. That is a proof that we love God. Because if you truly love God, just like what Jesus asked Peter, 
Peter, you love me. Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But he said, do you love me more than these? Because at every point in time, there will be things that are competing for our attention. The world and the things of the kingdom of God, they would always be at loggerheads. But the choices we make is the proof of what we love. And this is why, in conclusion, Jesus says that indeed, it is where your heart is, it's where your treasure is. Praise God. It is where your heart is, it's where your treasure is. And that is why I end with this quote. And it says, to love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and strength is an all-consuming and all-encompassing endeavor. It is no lukewarm endeavor. It is a total commitment of our very being, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to a love of the Lord. Praise God. And that must be the yardstick. At what point in time can I say, Lord, I have given you everything. If I had more, I know that you would have had it. Whether it comes in the place of strength. And so you realize, if you truly love God, at some point in time, you will lose sleep. Why? Because you are on your knees praying for the lives of people. At some point in time, if you love God, you will exert energy in pursuing the things of the kingdom of God. These people must hear about Jesus. I must represent Jesus accurately in the lives of these people. If you truly love God, it will cost you your money. Praise God. Because the reality of it is this. What you don't love, you don't put your money towards. Praise God. And that is why somebody said that if you want to know what you truly love, look at your bank statement. Because what you spend your money on is a proof of what you love. So for those who invest all their money in food, perhaps their belly is what they truly love. For those who invest money in material things like shoes, bags, cars, all those things are nice in themselves. But when it comes to contending with the affection of Jesus, may Jesus take all and nothing left. That must be our passion. Because only then are we truly able to fulfill the mandate or the criteria that Jesus has set for us. And the beauty of this is this. As human beings, we have a reward mentality. And you are wondering, but God, if I do all these things, what is in it for me? The answer is in Matthew 6 verse 33. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And it says, and all other things, all other things shall be added unto you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I pray in the name of Jesus, even as we are ending this month, and we have received the insight to manifest the love of God, that when Jesus asks you and asks me, just like he did to Peter, 
we will not deny him like Peter did three times. I pray that this will be our reality. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. But the very first step is this. If you truly love God, if you truly claim that you love God, then you must give your life to him. That's one of the very first steps as a proof that you love God. And so for those of us who are here this morning, and perhaps you have not made Jesus the Lord and the love of your life, can I please encourage you to do so this morning? Because the reality of it is there is no safest place to be than to be in the hands of Jesus. The Bible said that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. It says the righteous run it therein and they are safe. Why don't you just say this prayer with me and say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I agree that you died for me on the cross of Calvary. And on the third day, you rose again. Come into my life and be the Lord over my life as I confess you as my Lord and my personal Savior. Help me to walk in the realities of the new creation. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. If you have said this prayer, allow me to say congratulations. I can boldly call you my brother or my sister because just like Jesus says, who are my brothers and my sisters? except for those who acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. Let's just bow our heads as we pray. Gracious Father in heaven, we thank you for your word that has come our way this morning. The Bible says that at the entrance of your word, bringeth light, and that light giveth understanding to the simple. Gracious Lord in heaven, I ask that even as your people have received your word this morning, Lord, preserve this word in their hearts in the name of Jesus. That Lord, O oh God in heaven, the enemy will not choke this word, O oh God, with the issues of life. But Lord, when you test our hearts to prove your love, may we be found worthy in Jesus' mighty name. For we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. In Jesus' mighty and matchless name we have prayed. Amen.